Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings, who likes to wait until the very last minute to do everything. Okay, so um, hopefully everyone's doing well. It's going to be a quick rundown of what I got going on. Obviously, new music is still in the works. It's not 100% yet, so I haven't put it out yet. Um, next is the... Still working on Patreon stuff. Um, should be next month. It's actually going to be a short story series that I'm currently working on. Should be pretty good. Um, I'm digging it so far. Next is... Uh, oh, um, I'm actually starting to plan out a short story collection that I'm going to be releasing sometime this year. Don't have a concrete date on that yet. And I've also been working on my novel, which I've been working on for forever. And last but certainly not least, I will be performing again at SpellCon this year. It'll be on October 17th in Smithtown, New York. And the details for that will be listed below. I'm really excited about that one. Okay, so with that, on with the story. One of the last things standing in Adam's way of becoming an adept mage is summoning a spirit. But as is usually the case with novice necromancy, he receives a visit from someone he least suspects. Novice Necromancy The worst thing about preparing for the ritual wasn't acquiring the haunted mirror, picking out the abandoned house, sneaking into said house with the haunted full-length mirror in the dead of night, or even the weakness he felt from fasting for the required three days. Son of a bitch, Adam moaned, sitting on the ruined and uneven hardwood floor of the collapsing house, clasping his forehead in his soot-stained hands. The worst thing about all of this was the withdrawal from his usual two cups of coffee every morning. If he didn't know any better, he would have thought the spirits of the dead were attempting to claw through the front of his skull at this very moment. Things one did to become a mage... The sound of snuffling, scratching, and crunching caused him to pry open one a bleary and bloodshot eye. His familiar, a possum named Bartleby, was working his way into a now half-eaten apple sitting in a torn open backpack lying in the corner. Really? erupted Adam, flailing his arms at the possum, who glanced up at him slowly, still chewing. Dude, drop it! That's for the offering! Bartleby continued chewing, looking at Adam with his beady eyes, and then glanced down at the apple hungrily and began to saunter away, snorting in protest and dragging his long rat tail behind him. Everyone who was initiated into the Arcanum was paired with a familiar, a sort of magical animal equivalent. Most familiars were cats, but some were ravens and owls, and one chick even had a ten-foot-long Burmese python. But twenty-three-year-old Adam Durkin with his pale freckled skin, frizzy bright red hair, and thick glasses was paired with Bartleby, a possum nearly as blind as he was, giving him flashbacks of being the last kid picked for dodgeball in elementary school. Even in the world of magic, he was treated like a scrawny little nobody. But they had given him a chance, and he was willing to take it and do what he could, no matter the cost. He had nothing going for him, and being a halfway decent barista at Starbucks 
wasn't really what he wanted to do with the rest of his life anyway. And that truly wasn't fair to Bartleby. Besides his recent slight against the spirit world, Bartleby had been nothing but patient with Adam while he attempted to learn what he could about this mysterious new world. Adam had been in the Arcanum, a secretive mystery school, for nearly three months now, and had barely scratched the surface of the magical world that lay beneath the mundanity of the world he was so used to. It was all a massive deception, the adepts had told him and his fellow initiates, an illusory construct manufactured by those who won the wars and didn't want people thinking for themselves. Even the money they so desperately tried to attain for wasn't real. The corporations, banking institutions, world governments, they all only existed because people believed in them, and without that belief, they would all crumble to dust. It all proved the true power of the entity comprised of the collective human consciousness, what the adepts called an egregore, even if it was focused on all the wrong things. Adam didn't think the entirety of what the human consciousness, this ego grog, or whatever the hell it was, was focused on all the wrong things, per se. Like, coffee was a pretty damn good thing. And pizza. And video games. Humans didn't have it all too bad, in Adam's opinion. But he saw the truth behind what the Arcanum stood for, and understood the dated mindset was the source of much of the inequality and pain he saw in the world around him and he was willing to abandon it all, to unlock the secrets of the universe, to reveal the truth for himself, as every adept must do to attain the coveted title of mage. The secrets of the universe reside beyond the horizon of one's conscious perception, which is why he was trying to summon the dead in a mirror with a migraine and a possum. He walked back into the circle drawn with chalk on the ground where he and Bartleby were going to be settled during the conjuration ritual, and lit a single white candle. As he lit it, he felt the presences in the room begin to rouse around him, bringing with it a cold chill that played on the flickering candlelight. He hadn't started yet, and shit was already getting creepy. He sat in front of the candle, blocking most of its light on the mirror. Captain Bartimus, come on. Let's hurry and get this thing over with. He called over to a snorkeling companion who scuttled back into the room, his hackles raised. I know, dude, I feel it too. Get in the circle before shit gets real, Adam said, patting the floor beside him, and he sat down. Bartleby stood for a moment, sniffing and looking around the room, and carefully padded into the circle and sat down beside Adam. Adam broke out a small cauldron and placed a piece of charcoal, which he lit and placed inside. He gathered his prepared mixture of herbs and oils, and got to work getting them smoking, filling the room with an odd mixture of sickeningly sweet odors. The coldness that periodically danced throughout the room began to subside, at least within the circle, and he looked up to the mirror that was facing just away from him and pointed to where he had a clear vision down the pitch-black hallway that led deeper into the house. He watched as the candles danced and flickered, yet he felt no trace of wind, just a stale, unmoving, musty air of the house. It was at this time when a lull began to come over him and he felt for his phone in his pocket and realized that he was wearing his ritual robes and remembered he had left his phone as well as any and all electronic devices at home, which was required by the ritual. It seems that even six months into his magical practice, 
that he is still unable to rid his automatic response to boredom by reaching for his damn phone. He looked at his watch and saw that it had only been three minutes. He then felt a subtle movement in the air and looked up and saw a shift in the shadows in the mirror. Usually, for something on the other side to respond to a ritual took hours. Seeing a response in only a matter of minutes made Adam feel a little proud. He was getting better, but also wondered how much it had to do with the dark energy residing in the area already. He took a deep breath, feeling the ripple of apprehension from his furry companion, but focused his intention onto the shifting shadows displayed in the mirror, willing the spirit residing within to manifest. He got his wish. From far along the corridor, Adam watched as a man seemed to step jovially into the world from the shadows, wearing a black suit and a red bow tie and a bowler hat perched perkily upon his head. He looked to be only slightly older than Adam, though from a different time period. He strode along the dark corridor with a spring in his step and grinning from ear to ear. This was nothing what Adam had expected. He stepped closer. He saw a man with impeccable brown mustache upon reaching the mirror, and he looked as if he was checking himself out. He brushed his shoulders and cleared his throat. Hi, Adam, my boy. Long time no see. The man's voice was jovial and caused Adam to shudder slightly. The man's dark but friendly eyes were trained on him now. How do you know my name? Well, golly gee. You don't remember me, your old pal, Mr. Henry? The name struck Adam like a hammer blow. But you were my imaginary friend. Mr. Henry put his hands on his hips and waved an accusatory finger at Adam. Now, now, how many times do we have to tell you? We're real, just as you are. Adam just gaped, unable to think of a thing to say. He thought the thing in the mirror would be some kind of tormented and horrifying-looking spirit, not the jovial friend he had forgotten about so long ago. So, you were once a living person? Adam asked, his voice cracking slightly. The air in the room seemed to change. Yes, yes, Mr. Henry said, the smile on his face waning. All of these so-called imaginary friends were once real people, and many of us are those with many lessons still left to learn. For the first time, Adam saw Mr. Henry actually frown. Lessons to learn? Like what? Adam asked. Mr. Henry folded his arms. We aren't sent to guide children solely for the child's benefit. It's a mutual thing. Those of us sent to watch over children, to befriend a newly awakened soul, is our own pathway to our inner child. Many of us who suffer traumatic deaths, suicides mainly, are sent to a child to reconnect with the one within the soul of the departed. If we're successful, the child grows away from the spirit, and the spirit in turn becomes a child's unseen guardian. Then it's us that guide the child onto the next life. Hopefully we can move on as well, finding new lives ourselves. So, being an imaginary friend is kind of like therapy for the dead? Am I understanding this right? Adam asks. You can say so, yes, Mr. Henry's voice now, in a normal tone. He took off his hat and was kneading it with his pale, translucent fingers. So, chap, why have you summoned me? Adam looked at him, 
then down at Bartleby, who just looked up at him as if expecting an answer to, and possibly something to eat. I guess... I did it to learn what's on the other side. I need to get to adepthood, he replied, his answer gaining confidence as he spoke. Mr. Henry gave him an uncertain look. Can I give you some advice, for old time's sake? Absolutely, Adam beamed. This is what he was waiting for. Don't meddle in the affairs of the dead. Adam's smile dropped from his face. But that's what I'm here to do. This right here, Mr. Henry motioned to the mirror in the house surrounding them. This is bad. And you have no idea what I had to do to get here and keep all kinds of bad stuff out. And believe me, this house and this mirror have seen some pretty nasty things. Mr. Henry put a finger to his chin, as if pondering something. I'll give you some insight. Souls reincarnate. And someday maybe I'll be ready to live again. But many souls are made daily, and you, my friend, are freshly baked, sir. Straight out of the old cosmic oven. This is your first go-around, and the fact that you made it this far into the dark is absolutely astounding, if not alarming. His face changed, and now he was more serious. But if I hadn't have been here, still watching over you from a distance, you could have gotten lost. And getting lost in the darkness of the spirit world means possibly never finding your way back out. He shook his head and then met Adam's eyes. Never. Adam sat back, almost incredulous. So I should just stop trying to learn magic then? Is that what this is all about? Mr. Henry laughed and shook his head. Not at all. Obviously you have a gift for it. Awakening so early to it like you have. Just stay in the light where I can keep a watch over you. The dark is tempting, and many who have never intended to seek it out end up finding it anyway. It has a magnetic pull that even us spirits have yet to understand. Stay in the light and learn the protective and healing arts. They aren't as flashy as the dark stuff, but a hell of a lot useful and more insightful. He gave him a grim smile and looked away, placing his hat back on his head. You'll need it. He coughed and straightened back up, resuming the goofy grin he had when he first arrived. So take this bit of info back to your arcanum. Stop poking at dead things. If the world keeps going the way it's going, they'll get more than enough of what they're looking for. There's enough darkness to go around, believe me. And another note. This one can be spread on, but it's primarily from me to you. Some advice from an old and dear friend. Live your life and embrace it, Adam. Things don't always go like you planned, and the world is a crazy place. But you're here and in it now. And to see real magic is to fully embrace this life that you have been given. And with that, Mr. Henry vanished. Adam sat up as the first shimmering of the sun began to seep in through the broken slats of the window's shutters. He glanced around and saw Bartleby sleeping beside him. He slowly gathered his things and Bartleby and walked outside. His neck hurt from sleeping on the hard floor, but the visitation the previous night, if that's what it was, had him feeling like a brand new person, which in fact he was. He stepped outside into the light of the new dawn before him and took a deep breath. This world is where he belonged, and the world of the spirits would always be there. He walked out into the warmth of the light, followed by a sniffling Bartleby, and started home.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave a like, a rating, a review, and subscribe if you so desire. To explore these concepts further or just keep up on what's happening with the podcast or any of my written works, brianjcummings.com is a great place to connect and learn more about what's going on behind the scenes as well as read these stories in a type format. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook where I'm mostly active on Instagram where every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday I release a two-sentence horror story. And finally, I have a Patreon account which any contribution would be phenomenally appreciated and will grant you the access to early content, releases, extra stories, and lore surrounding the stories heard. I'll return in two weeks' time for another tale channeled from the darkness of the witching hour. So keep a candle nearby, because you never know when the lights will go out. Interrupting my podcast. I know you don't care. Huh? Mmm. Sassy.